podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. Man, am I frothy. This sport just continues to get better and better and better. And if you had asked me a year and a half ago if there's any way that I could have been more stoked on foiling than I was then, the answer would have had to have been no. Because usually these things run their course. And I'm sure that this will. But it's three years deep right now. And I'm, yeah, that's all I'm thinking about. Like, it's family and foiling. <laughs> which is just crazy um downwinding i didn't think that was going to be a real thing in florida and now it looks like it's going to be i'm about two weeks in to a real dive on the kalama sup board uh just anytime there's a bump i'm just paddling out and just seeing what i can figure out and it's all starting to click chips are happening much easier and starting to understand like what to look for and starting to get better distance. My goal isn't distance right now though. My goal right now is working on getting up because I know that once I'm up, I'm, I have, you know, enough foil skills to figure that part out. It's about just being on foil. And my goal is to get down to riding the 1210 or the 1095 or more efficient foils out back because I'm seeing that that would be a lot easier. And the 1440 is amazing. It's a cheat code to get up then a lot of times I'm working harder than I need to. And so, yeah, that's the goal. And we had an epic run yesterday. Um, Brian, Foil the World Brian and our buddy Alex, they took out a ski, so I wasn't out there alone. And they're kind of doing their own thing, but we crossed paths a couple of times. And it was nice to be able to see somebody else while you're out there too. So I think everybody's going to be looking to get in boards here on our coast. And I'm sure there's a lot of coasts around the world that are going to be experiencing the same thing and just so incredible now the real question is is where does the wing come in once you can downwind because my whole thing with the wing was it was a way to get out and get up and then catch bumps but now i don't need that anymore so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next year where winging lines up where downwind lines up when the newness wears off if it does doubt it will but uh yeah just really exciting times um, today's podcast guest probably should have started with that, but they're so frothy. <laughs> today's podcast guest is Brody Sutherland. Um, Brody is the designer behind the Cabrina foils. He worked with Kiahi on them. Uh, he has been working with Cabrina for a number of years now, started off in the kite world, but then, you know, kites are airfoils, foils are airfoils and has, done a tremendous job i'd say in the development of their new line um you know rob uh on the last podcast was talking about how much he likes them i've been talking to adam adam's loving them i I ride the 1000 and the 800 a good bit both fantastic foils still looking forward to testing the new mast though i know that the mast i have is slower and there's been some places where adam and i haven't um and when we talk about gear generally we agree on stuff and there's some things about the Cabrina that he's feeling that I'm not feeling. And then we found out that the masts are different, different foil section on the mast that I have. It's not as fast. So I can't wait to feel the new mast 
because I think a lot of that's going to make sense once I do, but apparently there's, they're hard to get right now. Um, so yeah, excellent podcast with Brody. I think you guys are going to dig it before we dive in. Uh, I want to give a huge thanks. I don't do it as much as I probably should to TJ at big wins. He has been just all time lately in sending me cool stuff to test and, um, that, you know, the duotone unit wing, which is fantastic. The, um, no limits mast, which I've been digging for a long time. And actually I just got a new and updated, I don't know. It's a, it's a different, no limits, uh, no limits hooked that one up. Huge. Thanks. No limits. It's, um, still a 78. Um, it's the black one instead of like the gray one that I had before. And it's got a smaller logo on it, which I like <laughs> that first logo was just massive. It was, uh, kind of, I guess it steered me away from them for a little while, but, um, this one's a smaller logo, which I dig so that aesthetically, um, the 1440 came from him. And this week he sent me a custom Takuma fuse that a buddy of his is doing. And I haven't spoken to him directly. I'm looking forward to it because he's doing some cool stuff, like working with different angles inside the adapter so that, you can get a different feel. And I'm hoping that this is going to alleviate base plate shimming once I figure it all out. First feels, I, I don't have it dialed yet. I don't know exactly what the difference are. I'm hoping to talk to him today to figure that out. And then I can get a better feel on how they need to be dialed. But I will say they fit a lot better than the Takuma Fuse. You got to give it about a three rubber mallet tap to get it on. There's zero wiggle. And right away, that just gives me more efficiency and I'm loving that. So, uh, TJ, thank you so much. And anyone out there looking to order gear, hit up TJ. Um, I know a lot of people have been DMing me about the like Kalama downwind board that Dave hooked me up with. I know you can get them from TJ, reach out to Dave as well, but, um, both of those guys would take great care of you, both legends. All right. Um, let's dive in with Brody. I hope you guys are well and yeah. Brody, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you? Good. Yeah, great. We could finally link up. We've been uh, talking back and forth a bit, so I'm glad we could yeah. get on a call together. No, it's good too because I've had the opportunity now to spend a lot of time on the 650 in big surf in Costa Rica, the 800 here down there, I've winged on it and, and now the thousand as well. So I'm very familiar with the foils, which will make our conversation better. And, and first I just like to say, good job. I think they're brilliant, really good foils. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I think the feedback's been really positive on them. So I'm, I'm stoked on that. Give us some background on who you are and how you got into design and working with Cabrina. And then I want to get uh, pretty technical on some of the aspects of what you've built. Yeah. Okay. So I went to college at Cal Poly back, graduated in 2017. So went to school there and there was kind of a like core group of kiters there that I was good friends with. And one of my good buddies worked at Cabrina. So I handed him my resume kind of when I was graduating, not really thinking much of it. And then Cabrina actually reached out kind of after I'd been working for a year at this aerospace company. So there I was doing like unmanned aircraft design with a team. And then when Cabrina approached me, I was like, this sounds a lot more fun. So jumped on the team there, started doing their control system for the kite bars. 
and all that. And then kind of just was working with our product development manager. He was doing the foils at the time. And as more and more projects caught up, it was just a lot. So I started taking over the foils and then started doing the hand wings and some of the kites. So that's kind of how things progressed. And luckily with the sale of Cabrina, we kind of got some more money to play with and we've really invested in our foil program recently. And it's, I think it's definitely shown with the new H series. So that's yeah. kind of how things have progressed. And yeah. I mean, I like everything that you guys have done from the feel of the foil to the construction. I mean, I think that the fuse to mast connection is one of the more intelligent that I've seen. There's very limited, like very little flex for the weight. You know, that's something that everybody's striving for. And I think you guys nailed that one. You know, the only thing that I, as for the type of riding that I do, wish that you had done earlier is, and I think you've done it now, but you've done it on the top, is to have a, a tail that allows for 30 millimeter tail Good. Yeah, yeah, we did. So we ended up doing the the foils. The stabilizer sits on the top of the fuse just to give it a bit more clearance. Because I found when you're sitting on your foil in Hawaii and it's getting low tide and you're bouncing your stabilizer off the reef, at least if the fuselage is what's hitting, it's at least doesn't get as scratched up. But I realized that's not super compatible with all the other brands out there. So well, it's we have a trade off, but it's about the aftermarket tails. Cause we've all got, you know, a beautiful quiver now of these 30 millimeter bottom mount tails that you want to be able to ride. Yeah. And so it kind of, you know, it's nice. Like when you get the new surfboard and you've got FCS and you get FCS that now all of a sudden you got five new fields that you can go test out and tails make such a big difference that I, I do think that's important. Yeah, I know. It's, it's something I didn't really think about at the time when we did that. And it's kind of cool actually that everyone's like kind of mixing and matching. I think that's just, it's a kind of a new part of the sport that I didn't really expect, but I actually made a custom fuselage for Adam so he can run kind of any tail he wants to try something out just to get more feedback. Yeah. That's something we talked about maybe doing, but I just don't know if it's going to be a product yet or not, but it should be. Yeah. Everybody, everybody send Brody DMs after the show. <laughs> Tell them we want it. I think foil parts might actually be doing one though too. So that's cool. So that you might. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. I don't actually know the foil parts guy, but some of the stuff he's done, is really cool. That lift tail is a cool piece. Oh, so, changes all the list and it's daniel from ono foil is the guy behind foil parts and so his foil design is good as well okay i think he's actually based somewhere around me here in northwest yes yeah yeah out in the northwest huh. uh, good Sweet. dude he's actually doing a project right now with my buddy pedigo here in florida where pedigo designed this really cool tail that shortens the fuse length on takuma because they don't okay. have fuse sizes and so yeah daniel's doing the production on the pedigo tail which is really neat so well, let's dive into the design on the cabrina series and let's start with the foil that you designed first because i i think that one of the really cool things that you did that was also very intelligent is that you did not just scale the foil like most folks do so for anyone who doesn't know the 800 is when i first saw the 800 actually I saw it and I was like, oh, this is a lift 120. And then upon closer inspection, it looks similar on the surface, but it's a different foil section. The curves are all different. And the feel when you ride it is very different. I, to be honest, I prefer it. Uh, yeah, it, it is definitely quite... I mean, it did sort of pull some of that 
if you take a 10 aspect ratio foil in that size, it's going to kind of have to look the same Yep. when you make something that high aspect. But we definitely spent some time on, spent a lot of time on the cross section mm-hmm. and of getting that airfoil tuned just the way we wanted it. And then a lot in the anhedral shape to kind of get good turning performance out of a pretty high aspect wing. Well, and I think you succeeded on both of those, but, but what I was going to say there about how you scaled is that the 1000 is not just a blown up version of the 800. It's more cord, pretty similar or same span. And then the 650 keeps a lot of the cord and reduces span. So you don't just get bigger versions of the same foil. You actually get very different feels, but with a common theme, which I like as a direction. I, I think that was yeah. super smart. Yeah, we pushed super hard on that one. I think it it really came out well. I think what's important to realize is when you go, if you made a lower aspect 800, you probably wouldn't be able to ride it in a lot of conditions just because it wouldn't have that low end lift. So by, as you go down in size, if you increase your aspect ratio, you kind of keep that, maybe not the exact same amount of lift, but you keep a lot of that low end, but you just gain so much top end. So now you have this like, pretty small foil like i would say a year ago you would have thought an 800 is not something you can go surf and that 800 is pretty much the biggest foil i ride in you're out west and so you're riding generally bigger surf yeah i actually spend a lot of time on the river i live in the gorge so a lot of what i'm doing is riding river swell or doing downwinders and then i travel to maui a lot so yeah it's generally bigger surf than like over in florida or east coast Yep. But I find that we with the airfoil we chose on the 800, it's actually the same airfoil on um, all those sizes, but just scaled. But we put like just enough camber in it where you kind of get a lot of that like early punch up lift, but it doesn't get super pitch sensitive at high speed. Yeah, and that's what I think is brilliant. And if you look at the Lift 120 versus the 800, I mean, the Lift 120 probably has a few millimeters of the camber and the 800 barely has a millimeter. I mean, it's just a very small amount of camber. Yeah. And it seems like the profile thickness is just a touch bigger as well. Yeah. It, for me, I can surf it much harder. You know, the Lift 120 lit up once I could add shim to the tail to, to uh-huh. kind of take away that camber. Until then, yeah. I, I didn't really like surfing it at all. And then I was like, oh, okay. But then you take away a lot of that glide. And it seems like you figured out a way to keep the glide and, and not have it get pitch sensitive in the harder turns. Yeah, I wanted to kind of make like a smaller high aspect foil that's still user friendly because mm-hmm. I do feel like some of these other small high aspects are just like they're so sensitive that your average person can't really ride it. So I feel like ours is just a bit easier for everyone to ride. And then the sort of unexpected consequence of that is you can just push it so much harder because it's you kind of it gives you that feedback. It's not yeah. going to do anything weird. It's not kind of like flying that ragged edge of stability. Right. Right. And you know, that's something that I talk about on the show a whole lot, which is there are foils that I know I could crank just insane turns on. The problem is that I'm managing nuance for so much of the ride that I'm surfing at like 90%. And then there are other foils, which, you know, are not as radical, but you're surfing at a hundred percent. So your lines end up being better. Uh-huh. And that's such a fine line to walk when you're deciding what to design. 
Yeah, that's something I was playing with. I've been playing with short fuselages, and it, there's definitely something to it. Like you get that sort of snappier turn, but it, it means that you're sort of you're a little less stable and more touchy. So you maybe can't put the same power into it. So it's interesting talking to Adam. He's like, oh, I like the longer fuselage because I can put a lot more drive into the foil and it's more predictable. I agree. I also think that there's a difference in, so I've been testing a lot of the Vipers and Adam and I are always chatting about, you know, setups and gear and whatnot. And I prefer, he likes them on the long fuse. I prefer them on the short fuse because in our conditions, it fits the pocket better. Yeah. And so I think it's also a function of where you are and, you know, what waves you're surfing. What you Yeah, for sure. That if you're surfing kind of that like smaller punchier surf where you're trying to like stay in a really tight pocket, I think that's where that short fuse really um, shines. And if you're in a more powerful surf where you're kind of holding more speed, I think a bit longer fuse with a smaller tail sort of pays off there. Yeah. The, the one limitation on the 800, I would say for us is that, pumping through like chop or, or aerated water after a wave breaks or current, it's still small. I'm, a, I'm 190, probably 200 pounds in a wetsuit right now. And I get yeah. a lot of slippage and that's where like the thousand comes in. I just, that surface area is needed in, in just once you're up to speed and you're out the back, 800 is all I'd want to be on. But it's those moments that are more difficult on something as small as the 800. And, and so I wanted to talk a little bit about something you said earlier is directionally foils are going much smaller. I think there's going to yeah. be a limitation. I mean, I actually think it's probably going to be that 800, 120 range is, is probably the bottom of how fo small foils go. I've got the 90 lift coming to test soon, which is going to be real interesting to see, you know, if that changes my mind. But I think unless you're in really clean water, you need some surface area. Am I looking at that wrong? No, I think you're right. I think as soon as you get in that turbulent water, like you lose so much lift. It's really apparent when you're towing and you'll like, if you tow in on a pretty big wave out the back and everything's like nice and clean and no chop, you just have all this speed. And then if you run across where an old wave broke, you just get so much drag and start losing all the speed. And you don't really feel that as much like surfing slower on sort of a bigger foil. So I think there's definitely trade-offs. I personally like the smaller feel just for the maneuverability of it. But I do think like, I think we kind of hit something pretty magical with that thousand because it really has like a lot of speed for the size, but still has all this low end and pumpability. It's just a really sort of user-friendly sort of cover all the bases foil. Yep. The thousand's good. I love winging on it. I am... I like it when the surf, it's actually kind of funny. I prefer to pump the 800 if it's smaller because I have, I can get that up to speed really quickly. And mm -hmm. then it's really easy to keep it up to speed on the thousand. I find if it's, I don't know, rib high, chest high, and I'm exiting with speed, it's really easy to keep it there. But it's a foil where I feel like I have to work a little bit if I'm going really slow to get it back to speed. So I burn some cardio on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just got slightly more drag, so it doesn't quite have that like pop up to speed when you um, just run out of steam. Yeah, it's got good pace for our waves, though. It's really uh -huh. easy to keep it in the pocket and uh, wrap good turns on. And yeah, all the Florida guys really like that foil. John and the Cabrina guys ride that a lot surfing. I actually have it up here with me right now, looking at it while we're talking. 
Yeah, and it's still like for the cord, I feel like it handles tip breaching pretty well. We kind of did some work to make sure those tips stay nice and thin. So yeah. you can still tips. It actually looks like you do two things on it. It looks like you the tips kind of roll up. And I don't know if it's a rolled wing, but it looks like the tips kind of like roll up. So your breech angle is as, I guess, great as it could be. Like, you know, you're get the tip out quickly. And then it also looks like the tips thin out a lot in the last inch. And that probably helps some too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, handling breaching is all about just minimizing the lift your wing is producing at the wing tip. Mm-hmm. So really, if you go super thin, obviously that reduces your lift and then you can either twist or just flatten out the airfoil. So kind of taking multi levels of approach there to really handle tip breaching. And then that kind of like flipped shape at the wingtip, I feel like it helps just release air off the bottom of the wing. You're not like, you don't have a winglet there to sort of grab the bubble if it's right. trying to exit the wingtip. So it can just come off pretty clean. Yep. And it almost looks like the, middle of the span on this is super flat and maybe that's what helps the foil roll so easily because for the span that it has it definitely it rolls rail to rail pretty easily yeah yeah we played with kind of where that the drop in the tips happens quite a bit we made like four different prototypes Mm -hmm. we found that point is pretty perfect for like good pumping performance just because you get a good flat section making a lot of lift but then you still have that tip to sort of drop you into turns. Gotcha. It was kind of funny when, so when I got the the foils, they were, I guess, some demos that Brendan and, and Damien had up at the first foil race. And I had two tails, took two tails back and cut one pretty quickly. I hadn't even ridden it stock to, I don't know, about a 13 I was talking to Kiahi about it and he was kind of uh-huh. saying, I probably want to chop it. So I, I chopped one down pretty quickly and I kept the other one stock and I was riding the, the, the chop tail was just, it just lit it up. It felt so much better. And then Adam got on the full size tails and, and was saying like, he just loved the full size tail on it, you know, before yeah. that. And I was like, dude, the chop is so much better for me. And it through this discovery process, because generally we agree on a lot of feels like it's, you know, nine times out of 10, we, the same stuff when we're talking about it. So I figured that there was something that I was missing. The angle on one of the tails was a little bit different of the connection. Okay. And so it was like a positive one shim. So it really flattened it out. And it it was like a, a very different feel. How important when you're making a single piece tail fuse, you know, is that angle and like the quality control that goes into that. I think that was also like an early version or whatever. And all the other ones are great. And I mean, I'm a huge fan of the foil, so it's not a negative thing, but it was interesting to see how much different it was between the angles on those two different tails. And it's probably only off by what, like half a millimeter or something or a millimeter. Yeah. It can't be off by much. I wouldn't think because it's all in one piece in the mold. Yeah. That's actually, I hadn't really thought too much about that being too off. I might have to look into it a bit, but I think that they're pretty tight. The other thing I think people miss about our, that angled connection is it actually allows you to still shim a one piece tail. Yep. I have. Yeah. I think people sort of overlook that because, other brands that are doing the one piece thing, you can't really shim their connection. 
Yep. How would you- I don't know if we'll keep the one piece thing long term because of this drive for like people really want to try different tails and different fuse lengths and there's just so many options going forward. I think we're considering we'll probably keep that 180 just because we have it and um, it is a good foil. It's fully carbon, so you can cut it down as much as you want to. Yep. Which is kind of cool. But yeah, I think just having the modularity to be able to switch tails and fuse lengths and other things, I think the minor gain you get in performance from the drag cut down is just it, it maybe isn't quite worth it compared to being able to like change your fuse length change your tail you can sort of tune to what you want yeah well it's good to have both options i think that is yeah. a detail and yeah and i think we'll keep that for sure but i think our like our main tails and fuselages probably go back to the um aluminum system and i'm working on some stuff to shave some weight out of that aluminum tail so we can hopefully have a good price point rear fuselage that's still super light oh that's cool yeah that's super cool so where do you think we are right now in foil design if you think about a mature sport i don't even know like snowboarding you know, 30, 40 years, whatever it is in the making now, you know, gear is still changing, but it's at a very slow incremental pace. Foils right now are at this just exponential curve. Where along the curve are we? I think we're definitely like, I don't want to say we're flattening off because there's still a lot to be learned, but I don't think we're going to continue to see that like massive rapid change. I think a big section now is going to be uh, like fuselage to mass connections, just overall stiffness. Yep. I think with like the move towards more high aspect designs, there's only so much you can do there going forward. So you're not going to see like this exponential change like we've had, but I think you're still going to see some pretty significant performance gain just from the smaller details that maybe got overlooked because everyone was so focused on wing shapes. What kind of details? I think that like the mass to fuselage connection is a huge one. That's like, I think is the most important connection in the whole foil. If that's too loose, you just, you feel disconnected from that front wing. So that's why we went with that, like one piece design where the front wing and the front part of the fuselage are connected so that you get kind of the most rigid connection possible. And then we also have the tapered box into the fuselage. It's just a super tight fit. So that's pretty much as, as tough as it can be. Mm-hmm. I think that really translates your rider input into the front wing as well as possible. Yeah, I really do like that connection. And it's mast shaped. Can you talk about why you've flared the mast at the bottom? That's something that not yeah, a lot. Yeah, so we, I would have just tapered it straight down, but then our, we would have had to have like an adapter piece for our aluminum mast. Mm-hmm. So by we tapered our mast, but then it flares back out to the same section, so you can drop the same aluminum mast into the same foil. But we yeah. were able to then get that shorter cord in the midsection of the carbon mast, which just really livens up the feel. It's I was actually amazed how different those two masts feel. I didn't really think the cord would lock up a foil too much, but when you go to that carbon one, it's just so much whippier in the turns. Yeah, I've been on a big mast dive recently testing the Sadrus, the No Limits, along with the Carbon Takuma. And 
it is crazy how much the mast affects the feel. Like on the 1095, I actually like the more cord because it lets you settle into the foil a little bit more and it's not so skatey. It's it's not as weirdly yawed. And I feel like I can surf it much harder like that. But I'd never really given much thought to the effect of the mast on the feel of ride. Yeah, neither did I until we did this sort of tapered carbon mass and it's like oh that's really different it was back when we first did it kane actually wrote it and he's like whoa this feels super cool it just like lets you sort of flick the foil sideways a bit more you don't have that like locked in long cord yep yeah i'm a big fan of that mast why did you guys decide to do like the cutout at the top of the mat. It basically just lets you keep like the thickness of the carbon run right into the side of the mass. So it's way stiffer. Pretty much everyone else, if you're if that whole top plate is solid, you're just adding filler there. It's just extra weight. Gotcha. Plus it lets Damo sit on the beach and fill it with uh, ranch. <laughs> that was <funny. laughs> yeah, that's a good video. Yeah. Damien Leroy, if anyone didn't know the Damien reference. Let's talk winging a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm starting to really fall in love with wings. I like the Mantis a lot. I have the five meter Mantis, I guess last year's model. Uh-huh. That was like the first good wind wing that I've gotten. And it's as I've progressed through winging to a solid beginner intermediate level now, <laughs> I just use it to whip into waves, <laughs> but I am blown away by the difference in feel of wings as I've tested more and more from Armstrong Duotone, Mantis, F1, and uh, Swing, no, what's the Ride, whatever they are. The, the, uh, the, yeah. What kind of a feel are you designing for in a wing? Like, how do you, when I look at foils, I'm always thinking of there's always places where you're going to look to optimize and then other places where you're going to have to sacrifice some performance. What do you think the characteristics of a great wing are? Yeah, I think, I mean, first and foremost, I think it has to be really stiff. I think there's other brands on the market that haven't quite hit that really rigid frame. And you can just, you can feel it when you go to manipulate the wing. It's just like a flexi foil. Like you, the power just isn't there and it sort of does things you're not expecting. So we basically started with just a super rigid frame. We have a pretty high tenacity Dacron that sort of supports that whole airframe. And then we've done a lot with our leading edge diameters to really just have a really rigid supported frame. And I feel like that's kind of the core. Then it's a lot about just picking the right airfoil and making sure that the wing doesn't backwind because I'm sure you've ridden a wing that has some backwinding to it. And it's just not a great feeling when the thing's blowing back in your face all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where we headed. And then I think probably the final thing is just minimizing flutter because it's pretty annoying when you have that thing flapping around in your face the whole time. And it just, it gives you a lot more power when you're using the whole canopy. So I feel like we hit that pretty well with the Mantis. It's been super well received in the market. And I think the V2 even just takes it one step further. How much does it help to have Kiahi as a testing partner and all of Kiahi's awesome. Yeah. He gives like, he gives long feedback. You see some of his emails. <laughs> They're lengthy, but it's good. To have, he's a super useful tool. And to have someone riding at that level right. is instrumental in the development of both our wings and our foils. Um, he's been super involved with the latest wing I've been working on that's hopefully coming out in August. That I think is going to be a bit of a game changer. 
without giving away too much, what are you going to optimize for the the new one? Where do you We've think? Basically, just gone. It's super lightweight, and then I don't want to say too much, but it's extremely efficient. So you basically gain this like it points really high into the wind, has a lot of just a lot of range, and then that lightweight when it's on when you're like riding a wave, it just flies off the front handle. It, like even in the lightest wind, you sort of don't have that the wing like drooping back down onto the water. It just lets you kind of ride without really thinking too much about the wing. Like you can almost like go straight down the line, like following the like with the wind and have the wing just behind you. And it's so light it doesn't like catch up with you or anything. You just it just makes it feel like surf foiling more than any other wing I've ridden. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it's also I think it's gonna be pretty good for racing too, because it's just ridiculously efficient and fast. We had one of our race guys out of San Francisco wrote it and he said like the first time he wrote it, he's like, I just broke my personal speed record by like five miles an hour. Oof. Yeah. That's legit. You guys are doing like, like mid thirties winging, which is just crazy. I've gone, I think I hit 28 the other day and that felt crazy fast. So can't imagine doing like 35. I hit 30 on the 800 and breached probably right at 30 and <laughs> had a mini concussion. Star <laughs> yeah. out in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have, it's not like kiting where you can like lift the kite up and sort of save yourself. When you crash going fast winging, you just hit the water hard. Always. So I wear a leash when I wing just because I don't want to lose the board out there. And I'm so worried when I breach sometimes. I'm going over the front and I'm feeling the board get pulled by the leash and it's coming back at me. And yeah, it's just full yard sales. <laughs> have you put your foil through the wing yet? No, I have not. My son yeah, did. Neither have I actually, but it seems to be pretty common. Yeah, we have a, my son's 2.5 in the garage has a, a hole that I still need to fix from his foil. Yeah. Yeah, I think the repair shops have really liked the introduction of winging. <laughs> Definitely getting a lot more customers. How much commonality is there between designing kites and wings? I mean, because Cabrina has such a pedigree in the kite. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely crosses over a lot. I think that's why when I started taking on the kite and wing stuff, it just made sense with the foils. Kind of, they're all flying craft, just in different medium. So it's like designing the cross sections and all that definitely play into each other a lot. And then I think the having the wing to be able to test foils is pretty huge because you can like really quickly go out and get a bunch of time on a foil and switch out stuff and feel it. And if you're going to do that surfing, it just takes so long. It does. I feel like in surfing and winging though, you're optimizing for different things. And I think you definitely are. Yeah. But I think you're able to like at least get a good baseline feel mm -hmm. and then evolve from there. Yeah. I'd agree with that. When you, so I, I have my head wrapped around designing foils to a pretty decent level. And when I think about designing a wing, or a kite for that matter, where it is, you know, the leading edge is a bladder and you don't actually have like the bottom part of the foil. Like how do you design and test those? Can you use the same kind of like CFD modeling for testing a wing with the shape of it? Cause it, you know, it's an airfoil, but it's what, like the top side of an airfoil. Yeah. I mean, you, you could argue that you can, but uh, I mean, a hydrofoil is carbon and you draw it and you make a mold and it's going to be that shape plus or minus half a millimeter. 
but when you're designing a wing, it's you're using a flexible material, and when you inflate it, it grows and changes shape and all these other things. So what you have modeled in the computer usually isn't exactly what you actually end up with, and that's kind of the whole challenge of designing is you're trying to make what you've drawn match what the actual wing is. So it's it would be hard to then take what you've drawn and run it through CFD and be able to rely too much on the results. So it's a lot more art in a way. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's figuring out, you spend a lot of time like making small samples and how much does this grow and how does the diameter change and playing with seam constructions. There's a lot that goes into it that you probably don't see. I mean, we spend a lot of time making sure that we've made the most high quality durable product we can because we sort of have a Cabrina has a history of really high quality products. So we don't want to put something out there that's going to like stretch out in a couple of days of riding or blow up on the beach, things like that. So, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of the handles on the Mantis too. Yeah. Yeah. We were kind of the first ones to do that, like wider span handle. I mm-hmm. think most brands have kind of started to adopt that now. It just makes a lot of sense, but it, it definitely, you don't have to think about, where to put your hand and which handle to grab, you just grab and go. Have you tested the duotone with the hard handles? I haven't. They look pretty nice. The only thing I was thinking at first is like sometimes when I'm tacking and stuff, the wing is like you hit yourself in the head with a handle. So I'm not sure if that like hard end would be annoying or not, but it, it sure looks nice. Yeah, it feels good. I feel like for light wind pumping up, it gives you a little bit of an advantage. And then once I'm up, I don't think the advantage is there as much anymore. I like the Cabrina handles just as much, but it's kind of a cool. Yeah. We've been working on some stuff that's um, similar, kind of an evolution of what we have, maybe a bit of a a hybrid that I hope we can get out and probably in the next year or so. But yeah, for now, I think what we have works pretty good Um, and it's just super strong having that full webbing there you don't have to worry about it too much you're not gonna like hurt your wing when you roll it up or anything yeah let's talk about your foiling journey a little bit you know you spend time in the gorge you spend time yeah how long have you been foiling and and what are your favorite aspects of it let's see i think so i started at cabrina in 2018 i think it was maybe 2019 it was like kind of right when surf foiling was taken off and so, like, I showed up, and they'd been working on foils, and they had, like, some weird 3D-printed prototypes and one that was just literally machined wood. And so I went out with Pete and tried it out and kind of it's pretty immediately hooked. Like, it's just so different than surfing, like, so more, like, so much more open, I guess. Like, you're no longer looking at, like, oh, I'm taking this wave of the set, and that's the only one I'm surfing. Like, you know, like, oh, I can take the first wave, but the third one looks good. So it'll make a couple turns here and then pump back to that. And all of a sudden you're riding just so much more than surfing. So I kind of, I got pretty into it pretty quick and then spent like, I was living in Maui at the time. So I was spending like every day at Kaa Point, like go to down there before work, ride for probably two hours and go to work for a bit. And if it wasn't windy, I'd go back out at lunch. So it was like surf foiling a lot at the time. That's rad. And yeah, I just got super hooked. And then a lot of our early prototypes, I was actually making in-house in the Cabrina office. We just had a 3D printer and I was just like printing foil sections and then glassing them together. 
And this is actually interesting. I was in the office a couple of weeks ago and we were looking at all, all our old prototypes. And I'm like, we need to make a wall of like the evolution of our foils because it's just hilarious where we were like even two years ago, three years ago. You should. Come so far. That would be a valuable wall in the future as yeah. it grows and matures. I actually yeah, want to buy vintage foils. Yeah, there's a, we have like some of the old air chair foils from back in the day when Pete and those guys were towing the boots boards at Jaws. And those things just look terrifying. They're so heavy. <laughs> you feel like it'd rip your leg off if you fell. Oh, that's awesome. Dave yeah. Kalama still has one of his. We were talking about that a little while uh-huh. ago. Yeah, so, it'd be funny to, I'd actually wouldn't mind going back and riding some of the old stuff just to kind of see where we've come from. I feel like every time I jump on an older foil, it just feels so slow. Like, how did we deal with all this drag? You know, I think it's twofold. I I think about that too. And I think that because literally four years ago, everyone was a kook. Everyone was a beginner. Yeah. No one could have ridden the 800. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, we had to all mature designers, riders together to get to the place that we're at right now. Yeah. It's interesting. My parents have been learning. They're just down in Baja learning to wing and they're both they can windsurf foil, but they haven't wing foiled. And uh, they're both saying like, Oh, I don't want to go fast. Like I want a foil that's kind of slow and draggy just so I can get a feel for it. So there's definitely still that, I mean, there's still the whole beginner side of this sport. I feel like sometimes like as good riders, we kind of overlook, but as a designer, it's definitely a big part of my job is, I mean, a big chunk of our sales is the beginner side of things. I think our number one selling foil is probably the 1950 x series yeah you know touching back to foiling and this whole trend of going smaller i mean i I do think that we're going to top out i mean i think it's uh, i mean i i don't foresee myself on foils smaller than the 800 and and honestly i prefer for everything that we're doing generally you know the like 1095 because or the thousand cabrina just because the the range is there you know yeah It'll still go fast, but it's got the low end when you need it. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's just from a development perspective, everyone's like, how small can we go? And I think, I mean, I've made some really small high aspect stuff recently to try that. I think it's super cool and different, but I don't know if it's commercially viable as a product because not everybody's going to want that. Yep. And I have the luxury of like having every size and I don't have to go buy all my foils it's the company's paying for it. But if I had to pay for every single one, I'm not sure I'd be buying like these tiny high aspect foils because just you're not going to use them in your everyday conditions. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm hoping that the perfect hybrid comes out where you can get the turning and the glide all in one. We're getting really close. If you think about where we are right now compared to yeah. a year ago, we are so much closer than we were before. Yeah. I can still, yeah, we'll get there for sure. Uh, yeah. I just went out on the, the 170 Viper, which is the Bennett's unifoil surf foil. And I can still turn that much harder than any of the high aspect foils. Yeah. You know, so there's still, no, there's still something to those like lower aspect surf foils. We're coming out with a new range of the uh, X series, I think in September. Mm-hmm. So I've been working on those quite a bit. And it's still like, you maybe don't get the pumping performance you get out of a high aspect foil, but man, it feels good to just go rail to rail on a more surfy foil. 
or like behind the boat, or if you just want to go out and get one wave and maybe not pump around and connect a bunch, just the being able to lay into a turn and have that thing come around super tight feels really good. Yep. Or if you're towing now. Yeah. Or towing. Yeah. Then... Towing's really like spoiled me for surfing. It's... <laughs> Has it? You can go out and I mean, hour and a half of towing, you get like 20 waves. Your legs are jello. Just like doing laps. So good. It's pretty fun in Hawaii, the towing. It's, uh, insane. Beautiful yeah. out there. Kiahi was the first person that I saw really foiling. We were staying out there, just happened to be staying at the apartment underneath where he lives out there. And he was foiling out back every day and let me try his foil. At one point got worked. It was like head high. <laughs> wrong conditions. Yeah. I had a great session. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Kiahi, one of our buddies let us borrow a ski when he was over in Maui. We went out and I like caught a couple and felt pretty good about the turns I was doing and then whipped him into one. And, um, no longer felt so good about my surfing performance. <laughs> Rips. Yeah. yeah, like out the back and watching him just like throw spray with the wingtip. It's pretty, pretty inspiring. He has got to be one of or the best crossover athlete in the world. He's pretty dialed. I think like people forget how good of a surfer he is too. Yeah. He's like such a wind sports guy, but I mean, he was up for wave of the winter for a while and he's out at backdoor and pipe like all the time, just getting blown out of barrels. So. It's unreal. Yeah. It's unreal. And you know, one of the things that I think about is that he has approached foiling very differently than a lot of other folks have approached foiling. You can feel it in the foil that you guys designed. And it's like a first principles. This is actually something I'm going to talk about more on the show, but I think that there are phases to foiling. And I think that you can be a good foiler in each of the phases. But if you're coming from shortboarding, the first thing you do when you start getting on a foil is you want to draw the same lines and you're going to have the same stance and your setup is going to feel backfooted. And so there are a lot of guys that are in that phase right now, they're ripping, but they're like phase one foilers. And there mm. are guys like Kiahi Kane who are phase three foilers where it's no longer like surfing. It is if you approached foiling as someone who had no board sports and became an expert at it with no perceived, like preconceived surfing mechanics, how would you fly the foil? And that's how they fly the foil, which is, you know, like using your ankles to initiate turns, very still upper bodies, but really banked over letting the foil do the work, really flying the foil. And I think it's such a, a cool thing to have him. And I, I say Kane too, because, you know, Kane has a really approached foiling from the same direction and they actually surf very similar, they foil very dissimilar. Yeah, they do. Um, and it's cool to ride the Cabrina. Whenever I ride new gear, I always try to interpret it through the way that it was designed to be ridden. And so it's a foil that's really taught me a lot about foiling because if you surf it like Kiahi, it surfs so much better than if I'm surfing it like shortboarding, which is like a, it's like a really cool thing. Yeah. If you watch those guys ride, they really just, they kind of flow with the wave. It's very dynamic. Both of them have a super narrow stance too. Mm -hmm. I've kind of noticed recently, you can tell like how comfortable someone is by their stance. Yep. If you look at Kiyagi, he's like almost both feet ahead of the mast in some circumstances. Yep. And just like super smooth. It almost reminds me of like someone surfing a mid-length yep. or something or a fish on like a really open face wave. I'm just going to draw in lines. 
I can, I completely agree. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is, Kane is a pretty good guy to watch too. It's fun. He'll like go down winging sometimes in Maui and he's like the only guy out. He's got his like kind of longer skinny wing board. He can get up when nobody else can just be out kind of cruising around. Everyone's like, just makes it look like you can go out, but you really can't. That's the cheat code, man. Kalama Dave sent me one of his downwind boards, a six, four, and I wing on it all the time because I can get up even on the 800. I can get up in like such light winds. Yeah. I think we're going to see a trend in wing boards going maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. I think like everyone wanted the super short board because it feels good, like turning and stuff. But that extra length, if you can keep the weight down, it's not too much of a penalty and you can get up in just the craziest condition. Yeah. And I think if you're not doing the airs and stuff, if you're just carving, the length doesn't affect you that much as long as your boxes yeah. are in the right place. Yeah, not really. And you can push the boxes a bit further forward in the board too. So that like it doesn't feel as long because you're kind of a bit more ahead on the board. hundred percent. That's what I did on the Kalama is I put the boxes another like three inches forward. And now yeah. what I do on it, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm trying to get into this downwind supping thing. This, this uh, summer, I just shaped myself a board. Oh, killer. Yeah, we'll see how it works. I have, I have no idea. I haven't really ever been a stand-up paddle person, so I imagine it's going to be a bit of a struggle, but I'm trying to what figure that. Big. The downwind supping thing is sort of the pinnacle of of foiling. It seems like the hardest thing possible, so might as well try it. What dimensions did you go with? I, I think it's like 511 by 24. It's like 100 liters. It'll be challenging. Yeah, relatively narrow. Everyone was kind of saying go long and narrow. Yep. So it kind of went as narrow as I thought I can still probably stand on. My Kalama is a 6424 at about 100 liters. Uh And I used to do a lot of SUP back in the day and ride really small boards. And it's still somewhat challenging just because the days that you're going out are generally really crap days for stability. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's going to be a bit brutal, I think, but uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. up for the challenge. It'll be fun. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. The, the waves here in the river have so much power because it's all wind on um, tide. So you just get these like really peaky, powerful swells. So I've heard if you're going to learn anywhere, here is a good spot to do it. That makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to get out there probably August you know, I do a lot with TJ shout out to big wins, picking uh-huh. it up and I want to get out there, get a couple runs. I've never been. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. August, the current tends to die down a little bit. So the swell maybe isn't quite as big, but the water is also a lot warmer. So you don't have to deal with, I mean, I was out yesterday and I mean, five, four hood gloves, booties, all of it. So that's brutal. Yeah. It's not by about June. You're sort of in a four, three and it's a little more tolerable. But the winging has definitely exploded here. It's kind of pulled people from the kiting and the windsurfing. And now it's just like crazy number of wingers on the water. It's a you, good spot for winging. How do you see the current market of foiling right now? What percentage is winging? Percentage is prone, sup? I mean, for Cabrina, we're a wind sports brand. So I think most yeah. of our people are coming from the wind sports background. So most of them are most of ours are probably kiters. I think we're maybe pulling some of the windsurf brands because not a ton of the windsurf companies have jumped on making wings. 
it's just so different from making a sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much easier for a kite company to make it because we already have all the technology. But I would say, I don't know percentage-wise, but a lot of people are coming from kiting. And then it's bringing in a lot of the surf foilers into the wind sports realm, which is pretty cool. Got me. Yeah. I think it really it fills that gap because like, you used to have, like if there's no wind in this glass, you can go surf. Maybe if it gets a little windy, you're going surf foiling. But it's kind of that like weird middle ground where it's a little too windy to do either of those. And now all of a sudden, you can grab the wing and go have a ton of fun. Yep. For us. And, uh, when I first started winging, I was like, oh, this is going to be my like middle ground thing. I'll go kiting when it's super windy and I'll go winging when it's kind of marginal or gusty. And uh, now I'm pretty much only winging, but uh, it's sort of, it's swayed me. Just something new. I think we all were kind of ready for something new and winging sort of filled that. And on the wing, are you doing mostly like downwind runs or are you launching? What's up? I was doing a lot of downwind stuff. I got into the airs a bit last fall. It's pretty fun. You can actually jump pretty high on a wing, but then you end up like it's a lot of load on the foils. I feel like ours definitely hold up way better than I thought. Like I actually haven't broken any of ours, but you see a lot of people breaking foils and breaking boards. It's, it's pretty hard on the gear. You don't really come down gently like a kite. You sort of plummet. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of stuff is going to have to get stronger. I was talking to my buddy, Mike Pettigo about it this morning, and we have both in the last week broken masts. Really? In turns. Yep. And, you know, we've sheared tons of bolts off of like mast fuse connections and stuff like that. I think that where riding is going, everything's going to have to get stronger. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot of, load test the factory. I don't think you'll be able to break our mast. Can I can tell you from experience, you can park a car on our mast and it'll be fine. But yeah, but I agree. There's definitely some, I think when foiling started, nobody expected people to put the loads into them that they are now, Mm -hmm. especially with like, I I never thought people were going to be jumping on wings. Mm -hmm. I was just like, so so foreign, I guess, it didn't seem like it would take off. And now there's this whole freestyle realm and people are jumping. I think Tetuan jumped like 30 something feet on a wing. That's scary. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. And then the, you see the kids, like all these kids are jumping off sand dunes now and like just paragliding with the wings. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't know. As a designer, you see that stuff and you're like, oh, I did not design the product for some kid to be hanging 20 feet in the air off of, but. I guess that's happening now. So yeah. the same in kiting when you see guys do the toe ups behind jet skis, just like we load test all our products to pretty high standards, but the loads, when you take a kite and just drive straight up wind with the jet ski is just insane. I've seen kites and control systems and stuff after people do that. I'm like, please do not do that. <laughs> it's, it's scary. Yeah. That's fun to watch though. Yeah. Absolutely. What are you most excited about in design over the next year? I'm excited to see where, where foils head just from an efficiency standpoint. I've kind of gotten into just like, see how fast you can go with the wing and foils. So been liking the small stuff, but I feel like the other side of that is learning a lot about just where you can save on drag. And I feel like that's the coolest part of 
foils is you have this like platform where now you can ride all this stuff that didn't even seem like even imaginable in the past. You can go out and sort of ride these novelty waves and things like that. So I think with learning from efficiency, you're just going to get these even more efficient foils and kind of open the door for even crazier weird waves and places i love just being able to like go down to a beach i've known forever and you're like oh look at that wave and look at that wave and oh i can ride this just kind of open your mind to new possibilities yeah absolutely how how much drag do you think that we still have to shave i mean are we pretty close i think we're getting pretty close i was playing with some like a little bit larger like super high aspect foils like in the like 1.2 meter span Mm-hmm. And I mean, you definitely lose a lot of turning performance, but you can pump like forever. It's, it's pretty cool. And then that, like you can ride the smallest little bump or piece of chop and go places. I really want to get into those. I don't know if you've done any of the coast runs where you just catch a little chip shot and go out and do some downwinding. Yeah. That's what we do here. Yeah. It looks so fun. Yeah. We call them shore runners and I did a four miler yesterday and they're amazing. You know, like, yeah, you know, our coast runs Florida, North, South, we had a pretty hard South wind yesterday. It wasn't ideal. Swell was East. You know, ideally you want like a South, Southeast swell. We had enough seams to where you're just carving your way down the beach in and out. You can decide to make it more of a downwinder or you can come into the surf and, you know, bang out a bunch of turns and yeah, just kind of pick your pick, choose your own adventure down the beach. Endless Kira. Yeah, I've been trying to think of like a cool way you could like I can't quite do the rock start thing, but just be able to get up off the shore of the river here and you could go I mean you can go forever. Mm-hmm. If you could just you'd have to get a ride back up, I guess, but you could go like pretty easily do seven or eight miles. Yep. That's kind of why I want to get into this paddleboarding thing. It just seems like less gear, you're more free. But well, like occasionally I'll take the jet ski and like dump it in the water upwind and just go to a downwinder with the ski and you just swap off with drivers. Pretty much just go until your legs give out and then switch. That's so bad. That's been pretty fun. There's, I mean, there's days here in the spring where if you go to the right spot and it's nuking, you can get like well overhead swell where you're fully maxing out the foil on one swell. And that's in the gorge? Yeah unreal yeah i think people don't quite see it like the the times when it lines up and it happens it's pretty unreal the speed you can get like we've got videos where one of my good buddies matt elsasser is the lift rep so we'll go out and ride together a lot but you're just like on one swell just fully maxed out for like a minute just like trying to see how fast you can go and then you like dump off the back and you're and then you're on to the next one and just do that all the way downwind you'll do like a we did like a i think it was like a 10 mile run in like 30 minutes that's flying yeah you're just absolutely nuking the whole time that's epic what's what are your favorite times a year in the gorge definitely like the, i mean it's cold water but the spring is pretty pretty sweet conditions if you can put up with the cold mm-hmm. and then september is nice because it sort of clears out with the tourists and whatnot and you're kind of back to just the core local crowd and get pretty nice conditions here maybe not quite as windy or wavy but just kind of nice weather and you get those fall colors something that would be interesting to be around something that would be interesting to touch on 
would be the difference between saltwater and freshwater because I've ridden in both and yeah, it is massive. I mean, it's definitely a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about the differences and what you like in each? Cause I have found that I like bigger foils in freshwater. Uh, yeah, it's the same with, I think the biggest thing I noticed is winging on the sinker boards. Mm-hmm. You can really feel like I'll go ride a board in Maui and be like, Oh, this thing feels huge. And then you like come here and I like don't have enough flow to get going. And it's only, I think I did the math. It's only a couple percent difference, but it really makes, like, you can really feel it. I know that. I think that you feel it on the sinker because you're kind of trying to ride like the smallest volume you can still get up on. So if you lose a couple percent, all of a sudden it's quite a bit more difficult. Yep. It's a very different Reynolds number. Yeah. I don't know off the top of my head, but it's definitely, it's not massively different, but it's different. When I was looking into it, I think it was like a 30 kilogram difference per whatever it is. So like per thousand kilograms, whatever. So it's like a yeah 30 versus, so it's like a 3% difference. I want to say. Yeah. That sounds about right. But for yeah, which doesn't sound like a ton, but when you're, I mean, you're dealing with pretty efficient platforms and when you change 3%, you definitely notice. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell the difference on you know, pumping efficiency between different mass sizes for sure. And it's a small difference. Yeah. It's the other thing I've noticed is when you get like a bit of sort of weird wind chop on the surface and you're sort of trying to pump really high and that top layer of the water is really turbulent. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to pump. You sort of lose a bit there. Yeah. I find it interesting that I can pump best with into like a eight, 10 mile an hour, kind of onshore bump where you have, it's not mixed up, but there's enough energy where you can capitalize on using the little bumps going back out Uh kind of for extra lift. Every time you get to go through one of those bumps, you kind of get a little bit of free lift out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's the same. I don't know if you've ever gotten like to where it gets super shallow and you can't come off the foil, but you can almost like get the foil in the ground effect. Yep. And you can like pump way further, but then you end up running into the beach at some point. I used to notice that hugely on big foils when I first started, cause we'd be foiling really shallow sandbars where you'd be pumping over in like two and a half feet of water. Yeah. And it just felt like you were on, on like solid ground while you were pumping. Yeah. There's so much pushback. Mm-hmm. You feel it sometimes in Hawaii, if you're towing and you kind of get yourself in the wrong spot over a shallow spot on the reef, and there's just like all this lift coming out of the reef. I mean, it's essentially the same thing happens when you pump super close to the surface. You now have this, like, your low pressure above the wing is now air. So you gain a lot of lift being really close to the surface. Is there a term for that? Because I've always called it reverse ground effect, just because there was no other term. For yeah, that. I don't know. I've never, I, I like reverse ground effect. I go with that. All right. Just name it. All right. Last one before we bounce. And thanks so much for your time here. Where do you get your inspiration from? for design. I definitely try and ride like as many other brands foils as possible, just so I have a good baseline of our competitors. I think that like, there's no point in designing in a bubble. You have all this like breadth of knowledge and it's basically a free prototype if you can go ride someone else's foil. So try and pull from as many other sources as possible. I watch a lot of the America's Cup stuff because those guys have a way bigger budget than I do. And I think you can learn a lot from what they're doing. It's definitely different, but they're definitely pushing the limits of what foils are capable of. 
So I think you can learn a lot from there. And then, yeah, just seeing what other people are doing. And uh, it's inspiring to watch other people ride our gear. I think it's pretty cool to see. I didn't really know that much about Adam when he first um, started riding Cabrina foils. I just knew he was a really talented foiler. And it was cool to see him like kind of jump on our gear. And I think, I don't know if we gave him foils at the beginning or he just got his hands on one, but it's kind of just this um, really organic relationship. And now he's, he texts me all the time with ideas and trying stuff. And I think it's cool to see someone that's at that like high of a level riding something I designed, not because he's being paid to, but just because he thinks it's the best. I think that really inspires me to keep going. It's rad. When you, I, so on your point about testing all the gear that's out there, I think that is massively important. And I think that very few people are doing it. And it's interesting because within a brand, someone will come out and say, oh, this is the most efficient foil. And if they had ridden everything else that was out there, they would know that it's not. Yeah. You know, and yeah, it's all marketing. It's, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're in their own little like, yeah, ecosystem. And it's not helping. I think it helps progress the sport when everyone knows where the level is and then they're trying to beat it. And and that's what I want. Like my, I am a huge beneficiary of how much better foils have gotten in the last couple of years. And I would want to do everything I possibly can yeah. the next two years, just as good. Cause it's just, more yeah, we're actually really lucky. We had a grad student approach us about, I guess it was just over a year ago from university in Norway. She wanted to do a study on our foils and they had access to this like big towing tank where they can tow foils through the water and measure all the different um, forces and everything. And then they have a big cavitation flow tunnel. So we were actually lucky enough to get all this data on our foils. That's what that, I mean, you'd have to pay so much money for, but now we sort of have a working relationship with that university. And I think going forward, we're going to have more grad students do more tests on different gear and we were able to do like things where you stick one wingtip out of the water and see what speed you get ventilation and put the mass to different angles. So just, that was so valuable just to have that baseline. That's unreal. That, yeah, that's... It's pretty sweet. There's a, I think there was an article and I think it was in the kite border magazine on it. You can see some of the photos it's pretty cool stuff. Just even seeing the videos, you just like have a super high depth, like really clear water and you can see exactly what's happening on the wing. There's things you can only really feel and can't see. Now you just have this really good visual of it. That's so cool. I love the GoPro videos when someone breaches and then you can see the breach, like the vent travel across the tip. There's a really cool one my buddy Pedigo got where he kind of does like a foil out turn. And as he's re-entering, you can see the tubercles creating or blocking vent. I don't know how you would look at it as the foils re-entering the water. You can actually see like where they are. It like cuts different lines through the water. That's pretty sweet. When you look at all the market out there and the other foils, is there anything that you think is really good? I mean, I'm pretty impressed by all the lift stuff. Mm -hmm. I think they, they make pretty good product and it's really stiff. And it's, I think like previously it seemed like all the companies that were just focused on foils, like Armstrong and Lyft and those guys um, were just making the best stuff out there. Cause that's the only thing they're making. I think the kite brands kind of always fell behind because we're making kites and other products and it's sort of a side gig 
but I mean, we've invested pretty heavily in our foil program now, I think. So we're hoping to compete with those guys, but which I think our new foils do pretty well. But yeah, I think I'm pretty impressed with the lift stuff. I think if I wasn't riding Cabrina, that's probably where I'd be. Yeah. That's, that's where I would like to put myself up there with lift and say that Nick and I are designing some of the better stuff out there. I'd love to be able to compete with him on, on designs. Yeah. I mean, I think that the 120 revolutionized the industry. Yeah, definitely. Like the 800 is like kind of a, a good step from the 120, at least for what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That 120, when it first came out, I was like, this is going to be way too small and unrideable. And I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's epic. Brody, thanks so much for your time. Anything you want to leave us? Yeah, I appreciate it. I really like your platform here. I think it's pretty cool. It's definitely hear people talking about your podcast. And uh, I think it gets a great discussion going that needs to happen on foils. And if it gets people to go out and try a different foil or try a different size or something, just switch it up. I think there's so much great gear out there. I think it's, it's stupid not to go try it all. And it'll make you a better foiler too. So. It will get the opportunity. Just go, go switch foils with your friends or ask someone if you can try something on the beach. I think we have such a cool community in foiling. People are so open and willing to share. I think you should take advantage of it. Absolutely. Well, Brody, thank you for your time and good work on everything you've done. I'm a big fan. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.